Hello, Patriots! This is Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. Bringing you insight from outside the mainstream, I am your host, Ryan. Today we are talking about the Durham Report, Disney canceling a Florida project, and Biden potentially being left off a primary ballot. Next, on Living with Liberty. Durham report is out, and if we're being real, and we are here on this show, it's not earth-shattering. It's filled with things we inherently already knew, or things that had already come out. I do think it's generated a lot of optimism among people that we may get some accountability finally. That something might actually happen because this report came out, but you know what, I'm not holding my breath on that one. I'd say there's a very, very slight chance that there's prosecutions of low-level individuals, but those out there pointing at this as proof that we need to put Hillary and Barack in matching jumpsuits, they're going to be sorely disappointed if they're expecting arrests of high-level individuals like that. The report does point out serious failures and breakdowns in the FBI's process, in their investigative process, into Donald Trump and his campaign and his supposed collusion with Russia. It basically calls out the fact that there was extreme bias in the investigation taking place in the first place and being opened in the first place. But here's the important part, and it's going to be things that those on the left particularly are going to point to that even, even let's call it Trump haters, they're going to point to this, that the fact that the Durham report did not recommend any prosecutions of individuals, right? It will not lead to any prosecutions of high level uh, individuals or officials. We just need to be real about that. Let's temper expectations. It's, There's reason for optimism, sure, I think so, but if we're expecting prosecutions and arrests and convictions of the people involved, then our expectations are too high. Let's just call it what it is right now. It's not going to lead to that. It's not going to lead to Hillary being cuffed. It's not going to lead to Barack being cuffed, just like, you know, the whole Epstein Island bullcrap didn't lead to Bill being cuffed and led away in perp walk. Let's, let's be real here and, and temper those expectations. It was pointed out in the report that the Bureau didn't interview the people connected to the information the FBI used to open the investigation of the Trump campaign in 2016. <laughs> you would think that would have been the first place the FBI started. So you would think the FBI would start by vetting the incoming information, that they would vet the individuals that were giving that information. I mean, that just seems like it's detectiving 101 to me, that that's the first place you would start. Let's vet the information. Hell, you go into the business world, that's the first thing you do if you're doing your job right and, you know, whatever role you have in a business world is to vet the data, vet the information you're being given. Trust but verify, right? Okay, you gave me this information. Eh, It doesn't seem quite right. Let me, uh, you know, let me give it a, a second look here. So people giving us information, especially if you're on the side of an investigation into something like a campaign, a presidential campaign of a high profile individual, you would think 
ah, maybe we should vet that information a little bit more, right? That's, it, it was certainly out there that Trump wasn't liked, that he was a divisive figure, let's call it, that there were many that, because he was a political outsider, did not want him in the Oval Office. You would think if you were in a, the, the preeminent law enforcement agency of the United States that you would vet this information, that you would be very careful about it. You know, fidelity, bravery, integrity, all that bullcrap the FBI seems to want us to spout off that they don't uphold, right? Vet the information. Vet the people providing that information. They probably teach that in detective school, I would think. You know, police academy, whatever. The report also pointed out the FBI opened the investigation on unvetted intelligence from Australia, of all places. Another serious flaw in the process. So we're just going to take, oh, we got this in, you know, tip from Australia on a presidential camp uh, candidate here in the United States. Let's just open the investigation based on that. We're not going to check into it at all. It seems legit, right? It's legit. Uh, you know, we're the FBI. We're government workers. We hate Donald Trump. He's an outsider. He's going to change things. Oh, we got this tip from Australia. Let's check it out. That just seems to fly in the face of process. Again, vet the information. Where's it coming from? Who's it coming from? And why is it coming in? Now, the other piece of this here that was noted in the report, and things I think we knew already, the agents, FBI agents, applied to renew their secret court spy warrants on Carter Page despite admitting in the FISA court they had no probable cause to do so. Now, I think that's troubling enough that they went to court. We have no reason to, to, to request a spy warrant on this individual, on this individual, on a, an American citizen, but give us one anyway. So that was troubling enough, but even more troubling is the fact that the court granted them this warrant, this spy warrant on Carter Page. We should all be gravely concerned about that. It had no probable cause to open this warrant, yet were granted one anyway. The FISA courts need to be abolished. They should be right. First thing is abolish the FBI. Next is the FISA courts. This granting of secret warrants, despite not having probable cause, shows the depth of corruption in our system, in our judicial system, and it's one that needs to be corrected. And now this is uh, this next piece here, it's, it's, it's from the report, so it's noted in the report. The handling of the Trump investigation was a departure from the cautious approach the Bureau took in handling matters related to former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, Trump's election opponent. The report found that in one example, the FBI and Justice Department restricted an inquiry into the Clinton Foundation so that little to no investigative activity could take place in the months leading up to the election. Durham highlights the distinct approach the FBI took to intelligence it received from a trusted foreign source, indicating that the Clinton campaign planned to smear Trump by trying, uh, or excuse me, by tying him to Russian President Vladimir Putin. So we have here an obvious bias. We have a, we have a government agency that's obviously biased. Now, there, there's another piece to this here. Uh, from the report, it reads this. The Clinton campaign's goal, the intelligence said, 
was to divert attention from the scandal concerning Clinton's use of on of unauthorized private servers to transmit top-secret government emails. That's a problem. The FBI tried to, and did, I guess you could call it, bury the Clinton server scandal by opening an investigation on Donald Trump's campaign that they had no probable cause to do so. We should be extremely troubled by this. We should be extremely concerned about this. This is the difference. This difference in how the FBI treated Clinton versus Trump shows that they believe justice is a political entity. That only one side, one side can go scot-free and the other needs the hammer brought down on them. That, that's what this says here. It says the, the intelligence that was, was given to the FBI about you know, the server and then the subsequent statement saying that the, uh, the goal for Clinton's campaign was to divert the attention by tying Trump to Putin. And the FBI went along with this. It shows that the FBI has become nothing more than an election-interfering entity that needs to be disbanded and abolished, period. Get rid of it. It really should result in more firings, the Durham report, that is, than what has already taken place. I mean, you hear Christopher Ray. I don't know that he's done it recently, but he has in the past refor- uh, referred to how they've made reforms and how They've made changes and blah, blah, blah. Nothing's changed at the FBI. Don't Let's not kid ourselves. He's lying. Nothing's changed. They may have fired a few junior uh, agents or whatever, but, you know, Trump fired Comey. But that's been the extent of it. There's not been this wholesale top-to-bottom house cleaning that needs to occur at the FBI and, truthfully, all of, uh, all of our other three-letter agencies. The Durham report should result in more firings than what's happened already and even prosecutions. We the, the Clinton server scandal, that she should be prosecuted for that. But it won't. There, there won't be any of this. There might be some more. Uh, we might eventually get some firings, right? There won't be any prosecutions, though. We might get a Republican president in the White House in 2024, and they might clean house at the FBI, but that'll be it. There won't be any prosecutions. Now, we shouldn't let this be forgotten, though. It doesn't mean because we know there's not going to be any prosecutions. Who knows if there's going to be any firings? We shouldn't. It doesn't mean that we should let this report be forgotten. We shouldn't let what happened to us, the American people, and at the time, our chosen president be forgotten. We should not let this go. What the Durham report should be is a reminder that the, the law enforcement arm of the federal government was weaponized against the people and remains so to this day. It was weaponized in an attempt to keep a political outsider from learning the inner workings and the corruptions of the U.S. government and officials within the U.S. government. It was meant to keep this political outsider from finding out the truth about how corrupt the administrative state is. It was meant to keep a political outsider from bucking against the globalists. And remember, Trump runs and ran in those circles. He probably doesn't anymore. He's an outsider as outside you can be. 
But he ran in those circles. He knew the secrets and knows the secrets of these these shadow clowns behind the scenes that are pulling the strings of our government officials. He knows it. Some of it. I'm not saying he knows all of it, but you know these people are out there having their drinks and lips get a little loose. The Durham report should serve as a reminder that if we, if they, I should say, if they, meaning the globalist elite, the FBI, Clinton, whoever, are willing to go to these lengths against someone the stature of Donald Trump, they won't hesitate to go after the average American who doesn't buy into their communist globalist program. They won't hesitate to go after anyone who disagrees with the official government narrative. We've seen this already. Whether it be raiding journalists' houses or apartments that don't subscribe to the liberal media that actually do journalism, or showing up at the doorstep of pro-life protesters, or even threatening parents who are upset over the propagandizing and sexualization of their children in our schools. There's no hesitation at this point for bureaucrats to deploy their brown shirts to intimidate people into compliance with the globalist edicts. To top this all off, we have clowns like Adam Schiff, who are still hanging on to the Russia narrative, even in the face of the Durham report, even in the face of everything Adam Schiff having said thus far being debunked, the Durham report saying, yeah, the FBI jacked this up. They never should have opened this report. You still have Adam Schiff out there peddling lies about secret Russian meetings in Trump Tower and how Mike Flynn secretly met with the Russian ambassador over sanctions against Russia. Even though that meeting took place weeks after Trump was declared the winner of the election and Flynn was preparing for his role as part of the Trump administration in the White House. It was well within his right to begin those talks and and start a transition. The cherry on top of this crap Sunday might be what Deputy Assistant Director of Counterintelligence at the FBI, Jill Murphy, said. She admitted before a congressional hearing that she had not yet read the report because she didn't have the time. We're talking about a week plus after the report came out. She said, I couldn't, I didn't read it. I don't have time. I didn't have time. What are you doing that you don't have time? This again illustrates everything that is wrong with our government and bureaucratic agencies. You have a 300 page investigative report that drops about how badly your agency screwed up and you don't have time to read it? You damn well better make time. It better be a priority. You better be reading that report, figuring out what went wrong and fix it. It's not a priority for them because these people think they're better than you. They think they're better than us. These b- people running the bureaucracies that are in the high level positions in the bureaucracies think they're better than us. number of our elected officials think they're better than us. They'd rather spy on us and take our liberty than actually do their job, which ironically is to protect that liberty that they just keep eroding and and destroying. Joe Murphy ought to be among the first ones fired. If there isn't the stomach to disband the FBI, then a massive house cleaning needs to take place. It needs to top to bottom. Everybody involved with this, get them out. Anybody with a hint of bias, fire them. And the headquarters needs to be moved far from Washington, D.C. No more FBI in Washington, D.C. Move it to the middle of the country, Kansas City, I don't care. Somewhere that's not Washington, D.C. 
Subscriptions are one of the big ways podcasts get discovered. So if you could, please do me a favor, pause whatever platform you are listening or viewing on and hit the subscribe button. It will give you an alert whenever a new Living with Liberty is published and the subscriptions help us get into the recommendations so others can find the show. All right, the next thing I have here is a piece titled Disney Cancels Plans to Florida Amid DeSantis Feud by Alexandra Canal. Now, Disney had been in process of building a new campus in Florida in which they would have relocated thousands of employees from California to. They had already relocated a few Californians. They were building this complex and they were going to relocate thousands. Now, I'm sure Floridians are heartbroken over this news that the campus project and subsequent relocation of thousands of Californians has been canceled. I'm sure they are crying in the swamps of Florida tonight. Now, what this amounts to is Disney pitching a fit over losing their special tax district around uh, Disney World there. Disney chose to pick a side on uh, over the bill passed in Florida that outlawed instruction on gender identity and sexual orientation from kindergarten to third grade. It wasn't even in the entirety of their school system. It was just kindergarten through third grade. And Disney pitched a fit about this. Remember the whole don't say gay and Disney came out and spoke out about it. You know, but you think about it, these kindergartners, the third graders, what are they also known as? Well, they're also known as Disney's prime customers. And because they decided to go activist mode, they had the consequence of then having their special tax district taken away from them. Businesses, again, I'll say it over, I've said it over and over, I'm going to say it again now, I'm going to probably say it again in the future, businesses should stay out of picking sides culturally. That's Bud Light. As Target now, right? I mean, we've seen the power of mobilization finally happening against these corporations that are honestly just pandering. They're, they're just pandering. They're, they're just taking the whatever the hot topic of the day is culturally or what they perceive it to be anyway, and they pander to it. And they piss everybody off. Well, people are done having it jammed down their throats. And now Bud Light is trying everything they can, Budweiser, Anheuser, Bush, trying everything they can, because it hasn't just been Bud Light that's seen the fall. Bud Light's seen the biggest one, the, the biggest decline in their volumes, but a lot of their other brands have as well. Not as big as Bud Light, but a lot of other Anheuser-Busch brands have seen a decline as well. And now they're trying to pander back by having things like camouflage cans and all this, and, oh, we're, we're American. We love our blue-collar workers. Get out of here. This is why you stay out of the arena of cultural issues when you're a corporation. Go woke, go broke. So Disney, I mean, and, and when Disney did this, they, they felt the pain of it too. Their stock price slid. People in mass canceled trips to Disney, uh, Disney theme parks. I mean, I've read stories their movies lately haven't done so hot. I read a story, you know, I forget which movie it was, but it was the father of a 10-year-old that after about 10 minutes of whatever movie it was, because it was propagandizing uh, children, the 10-year-old said, yeah, let's get out of here. Can we get out of here? This thing sucks. They need to stop. These corporations need to stop giving in to the inmates of the asylum and do what's right for the business. There, there's, there's a separation. There's what's doing, doing right you know, socially, which you know, is, is like take care of the environment, be a good social corporate partner right? Take care of the community you're in. And then there's getting involved in issues that will 
that are divisive issues, let's say. I think we all can agree. We need to take care of our environment, take care of our cities. I mean, those are things we can all agree on. But when you get in the realm of something that's as culturally divisive as the, the hey, let's not sexualize kids. I don't know why that's so divisive, but it is. Let's not sexualize kids. The backlash comes. Let's, let's continue to promote men that want to pretend they're women. The backlash comes. People are sick of it. And these corporations need to wake up or there's not going to be any corporation left. Disney. Let's get back to Disney. Disney, by opposing this bill, made it known that they see nothing wrong with sexualizing children. That's the, that was the biggest problem. If they would have kept their mouth shut, they'd have their tax, their special tax district right now. If they would have just kept their mouth shut. But they made it known that not only do we uh, oppose this, right? We're opposing legislation, which fine businesses can do. But when it's something like this, where Disney is a, a their core customer is kids, this bill's meant to protect kids. Disney, by opposing it, made it known that they saw nothing wrong with sexualizing children. If you watch Disney stuff, we haven't watched Disney stuff for years here. If you watch Disney stuff today, you know that's what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to normalize all this. Again, I, what people do, I don't care. Don't jam it down my throat. It's cool. You do you. I don't care. But when you got corporations like Disney jamming it down your throat, that becomes a big problem then. There's consequences to actions, and if Disney or any other business, for that matter, wants to enter the political arena in, in the cultural issues here like this, they need to be prepared for the repercussions that come, and they need to not whine about them when they hit. If you are listening to the audio-only show when your platform allows for reviews, please give us a five-star review. It helps others find the show. Whether you are listening to the audio version or viewing on Rumble or YouTube, Hit that rumble or thumbs up button. The more interactions we have, the more the uh, recommendations made by the algorithms get us into people's feeds and the more we are able to spread the truth. All right, finishing up for today. Will Joe Biden even end up on the primary ballot in New Hampshire? <laughs> and yet another self-induced embarrassment for the resident. Democrats, national Democrats, that is, the DNC, are scrambling to avoid having the scenario of Joe Biden not appearing on the ballot in New Hampshire, the first primary in the, in the nation, New Hampshire. They are scrambling to make sure Joe Biden is on the ballot. Now, you re may remember that in a fit of virtue signaling, Biden pushed the DNC to have South Carolina move to the first in the nation primary for the Democrats anyway pushing New Hampshire out of that top spot, or so it would seem that they thought they pushed New Hampshire out of the top spot. What myopic Joe didn't consider was that New Hampshire has a state law in the books requiring their primary to be held a week before any other state, and that Republicans hold the governor's office and legislature there and are refusing to touch that law and change it so that the DNC can have their way and push, push New Hampshire out of the top spot, the top primary spot. And even better is it doesn't seem that there's much support from New Hampshire Democrats either on changing the law or making New Hampshire play second fiddle to, to South Carolina, as they are furious over the DNC kicking them to the curb in favor of South Carolina. They're, they're, New Hampshire Democrats are just up in arms about 
how the DNC has pushed to have South Carolina be the number one primary now. The DNC has been pressuring New Hampshire to come into compliance with their calendar, and it has a June 3rd deadline for New Hampshire to do so. And as mentioned, it looks, it's looking like there's not going to be any movement on that. June 3rd is going to come and go, and New Hampshire's not changing their primary date. Now, the question I have here before I go on is why the hell is a national political party dictating dates of primary elections? States run elections. Maybe they consult with uh, political parties on when they're going to have them. But I think at the end of the day, it's the states just say, here's our election date, take it or leave it, Republican or Democrat Party. I don't care. This is the date we're running the, the election. You can take it or leave it. And if you leave it, well, that's up to you then. Then you figure out how to hold a primary. But we're having an election this day. In Wisconsin, it's usually that, that primary falls during our spring election, which is the first Tuesday in April. Take it or leave it. That's when we're, we're holding an election. So if you want to get on a ballot and you don't want to pay out the, the billions you take in as political parties to run your own primary, then meet our date. So I don't know why the DNC even thinks they can dictate to New Hampshire when they're going to hold their primary. They can't. This is a tail wagging the dog here. In this case, the DNC trying to tell New Hampshire, you need to move your primary. No, they don't. New Hampshire is rightfully telling the Democrats to take a hike on this one. And I'd say the same thing about Republicans. If the Republicans were doing this, I'd say the same thing. Republicans take, can take a hike. You want your primary on a specific day, you pay for it. So what are the Democrats going to do? Now, according to a political piece here titled Democrats Race to Avoid a Biden Embarrassment in New Hampshire by Holly Otterbein and Lisa Kaczynski, it says this, uh, a real possibility that Democrats are considering is extending the deadline so that New Hampshire has more time to meet the party's requirements. And that's according to a person familiar with the process of the DNC's Rules and Bylaws Committee, which revamped the primary calendar. Well, so it went from Joe Biden to the whole DNC was in a brain neutral position on this one. You had whoever's on this rules and bylaws committee, whoever changed it, obviously had their brain shoved up their ass that day. Now, as I mentioned before, though, New Hampshire has told the Democrats to take a hike and that the state hasn't requested additional time to come into compliance because the Democrats there say trying to change their state law is a losing battle. It's not going to happen. But you know what? It didn't stop the DNC from approving the initial extension until June. So hold on here a minute. So there was already a, a date that wasn't met, and the Democrats extended that to June 3rd? It's already, we're already working on an extension? This shows, what does this show? The, 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 this shows that the Democrats are more bought into ideology than anything real. They're more bought into their ideology. They're more bought into, we have to have South Carolina first because Joe said so because they, South Carolina propelled him to the presidential nomination. And I think he had something in there too about because New Hampshire is such a white state, they need to be moved down the pecking order, which that probably didn't bother the Democrats there that much. I don't know, but it just shows they're bought into their ideology. So we already have a, we're already working on an extended timeline for this to happen. 
They are talking about maybe doing another extension on this to give New Hampshire more time to come into compliance with the DNC's rules, which they shouldn't. New Hampshire, keep your primary where it is. These morons continue to try and jam the square peg into a round hole and expect a different result. They are going to consider another extension. Seriously, why do these idiots keep getting voted for? The brain-neutral position up and down the Democrat Party is ridiculous. You're going to keep trying something that obviously isn't going to work. Let's just extend it. Let's just do another extension. What's that going to solve? The law isn't going to get changed. New Hampshire's going to hold their primary when they hold their primary, which will be a week before anybody else's. So what is the other option for Democrats here if they are so insistent on South Carolina going first and knocking New Hampshire down the pecking order? Well, They could run their own primary at a later date in New Hampshire, but they have to deal with the New Hampshire Democrat Party and New Hampshire Democrats are shutting down that idea before it's even being asked. Ray Buckley, the chair of the New Hampshire Democrat Party, had this to say. We're hosting the first primary. He said, that's it. Ray Buckley said, we're we're doing the first primary, period. New Hampshire, we're always first. We're going to do the first primary. That's it. And then he said, also said this, he said a party-run primary would be a logistical nightmare and extremely expensive, costing upwards of $7 million. And that wouldn't fall on the DNC. That would be, you know, fall on the New Hampshire Democrat Party to pay that. You know, the DNC isn't handing out any money for that. Now, my bet is Biden will be on the New Hampshire ballot. They'll drag this out. It's not going to change, but they'll drag it out, and eventually they'll say, okay, we got just got to get him on the ballot. And because New Hampshire isn't going to blink and capitulate to the DNC, it will be the first primary in the nation as is tradition. And it will be, Biden will be on that ballot. They will run the Democrat uh, Party primary that day, whatever day that primary is for New Hampshire. Now, will Biden not, let's say he doesn't, let's say Biden misses the ballot in New Hampshire. Will he not be the Democrat nomination if he's not on the New Hampshire primary ballot and someone else wins New Hampshire? No, he'll still be the Democrat nominee. I, as much as Democrats hate him, I, I just they're not going to vote against a sitting president in the primary. They should. The guy's been awful, but they won't. Right? He'll be the nominee. But if he doesn't get on the ballot, it will just be another embarrassment in a long line of many for the country's worst president ever. Before I go, don't forget to tune in live to Rucksack Radio on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central for Laughs and Liberty with Tom and me. You can catch us on Riverside FM, Rumble, YouTube, or Twitch. We love to engage with everybody in the chats. It's always a good time. A lot of good comments come in. We bring them up on the show. Tune in live, 7 p.m. Central, Laughs and Liberty with Tom and me. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. (laughs) 